blessed Sabbath to everyone. I had the wonderful experience this morning to go to two of the classrooms downstairs. First with the little ones. That was so much fun. Putting together those uh, the puzzles. It was about the Noah's Ark. And we just had fun putting those there. Repeating the verses with them. That was great. And then after that, I went to the junior's room. And when I ended up being with them, I thought I had visited all the classrooms. And that was when Sister Sandy said, you missed one. You missed my group, the primary. Okay. So uh, I missed those. But while I was at uh, the juniors, I said, juniors, um, among other things, the purpose of being here with you today is I want to memorize your names. So I tried. I tried, and it worked. And as a result of that, they gave me a star. We put tape on it. So it, it stayed. I tried my, you know, those are the sticky ones. I had, I had to you know, put some of my saliva on it and put it on my, and it just fell right off. So someone said, how about putting tape on it? Let's do it. So here it is. There was David. Where's David? Oh, here's David. There was his sister. Marie Ann. Where's Marie Ann? There she is. Okay, Marie Ann. And she's 13. He's 12, right? All right, we got so good so far. Now, later on, while we were there, came Faith. Faith, where are you? Okay, there she is. There's Faith. And beside Faith was Grace. Hi, Grace. Okay, there was Grace. And there was one more there. That is Maya, Maya, where are you? There she is. All right, she's waving back there. All right. Thank you, Maya. So they honored me with a star. Okay, I'm a uh, one-star general now. Okay? <laughs> I hope next week, I hope next week, oh, uh, when is my next time here on the, whoa, I'm going to be in Panama. Yeah, it's going to be a while. I'm going to be in Panama uh, beginning the 10th, going for a wedding. The three brothers that are pastor are going to be part of a celebration, a family reunion for 20 years. And uh, so I won't be here on the third Sabbath like it normally would be. So I understand Sister Maria Lopez will be the speaker on that day here uh, as part of the family ministry month, families. And so... um, Just wanted to share with you all the fun that I had down there with our young people. Now, I noticed that the majority of that group in the juniors, they all live in Oshkosh. Oshkosh. I've been wanting to visit my brother, Innocent, in Oshkosh, but because of some miscommunications in the writing, I've been able. But we got it right now. We got we to gotta figure out. He gave me his phone, his sister, the address. So I'll be visiting there. And I can't wait to do what I've mentioned to some of you. And start, instead of starting visitation with the adults, I'm going to start visitation with the children. Amen? So, which of all those juniors could talk to mom and dad and have the pastor come over and just bug them for a little bit? Anyone like to volunteer this week? 
Pray about it. Tell me after and potluck. Okay? We might work something out. I'll just be there for 15, 20 minutes. Pray with you. Try to connect, you know, get the greeting there, and we just go on. All right? So I look forward to that because Jesus put a lot of emphasis on the children. He made them. He taught us that we need to be like them so that we can make it to the kingdom. And they're going to preach to me. I'm not going visiting them. They're going to visit with me. They're going to teach me how to be a child. Can you imagine things are going reverse now? This is not reverse psychology. This is just the real thing that Jesus was telling us all about. We need to be like the little children if we want to make it to the kingdom of heaven. Also wanted to mention the fact that although today the emphasis about singles, what difference does it make for heaven whether you're single or not? Jesus came equally to save everyone. Amen? No difference. No difference. It's more in our minds. Can you imagine? This is the church where you have more couples than singles, or we have a considerable number of singers of singles and singers too. The thing is that it's it's all about how we perceive the normality and we think the normal is being married. Not really. At least Jesus chose to be single. It was by choice. And there's not many of singles by choice. That's very rare. I'm of the personal opinion that most singles is not by choice. And we have an idea of all the reasons why some people are single. It could be by death. It could be by divorce, a separation. Uh, those are the tragic circumstances. Some of them, like me, I'm a miracle that I'm married because I was so shy to tell her that I liked her. You know, and it finally happened. I remember the first time I told a girl that I wanted to be her boyfriend. Can you keep a secret? It was in the gym there in Costa Rica, in our university. This gym is like a a dome, like the barns we have here, but it's completely round. It was designed by Pastor Cole. It was a mathematical design. Did that like in 67. And there we were. I was doing some skating. And I came to this. She's the pastor of a wife today. And I told her, would you be my girlfriend? I was so nervous. I was crying the whole time. That's the secret. Okay? We bury that now. Okay? But I was so nervous. And I think I've been nervous the whole time. You know, when it came to share affection in that regards. Although I can speak a lot, but when it came to that, wow. I was really sweating, crying, nervous, shaking. It was raining. And she had an umbrella. I had to open it up so that the other guys, the other people there in the gym would not see me crying. It was that bad. So, I don't know. There, there, there could be the circumstance that some of our single ones, especially guys, we think we're all that Tarzan macho thing. But when it comes to talking to the girls, I don't know why God created them to be a little bit more aggressive sometimes. The girls sometimes have to give a little push and help us out there. So uh, being single, I'm glad, is not something that I need to preach about. But I want to talk about Jesus who was single and what he can do. Hold 
in Jesus. Bow your heads with me as we pray together. Heavenly Father, as we consider what it means to be whole in Jesus, it was a choice. I think he could have been married, but he chose not to. Perhaps because of the implication of the mission that he was in when he came to this world. That would have been devastating for a wife, for a children to see a dad treated the way Jesus was when he was still pretty young in his 30s, early 30s. And that could have been possibly the reason. We don't know. We will know one day, though. But I'm thankful, Father, that he did come, whether single or married, to save me from my sins. And as we focus on him and what he can do, how we can be whole in him, I pray, Lord, that you will make miracles right here, right now. What kind of miracles? Those that you only can do. Miracles of restorations in families. Miracles of forgiveness. Miracles of transformation. Miracles of making this body of believers in such unity that only you could do. We would know that it's you because other than that, we would just be everyone going their own way. So, Father, bond us in your love, we pray. That is the greatest miracle that could you could do here today, I believe, with all my heart. Bond us in one mind, one heart. We're so prone to go the opposite of that. But, Father, we're not even going to try to understand it. We're choosing to believe that you can do it. And for that, like Jehoshaphat, we're thanking you in advance before it happens. The credit, even before it happens, the glory, the power, the resources for that to happen, it only goes to you. It is in the precious name of the greatest miracle maker that had ever existed. That's the sweet name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Have you ever tried to refinish a piece of uh, furniture, an old one especially? How many of you try that? You know, get all the sanding. Okay, I see lots of hands. You've been busy. You've been working. Yeah. So first you want to know what it looked like originally. So you start using your imagination. And then you do some research to make sure you got the idea. You read, you look pictures. You become familiar with the work. Of the designer, you want to make sure that it looks as close as it can be to what it was originally, okay? Then you begin to develop a vision. You start to imagine of what the piece could look like again when you're done with what you're going to be doing. And when you're ready to start working, the first step usually uh, is to do some serious cleaning, right? you got to get it, make it look. Some cleaning has to take place there. And that's followed by removal of old stain or paint or a, perhaps a piece of torn upholstery. 
Sometimes you have to replace a portion of it, even buy a piece to put it there so that then it could have been a broken piece. You might have to buy it and then just replace it right there. So you see, restoration is a process that requires commitment. It's not something you just want and it'll happen. It needs it needs that commitment. You're going to get in there. You're going to be involved. And you're going to say, "Hun, remind me, you know, that I need to finish this. I don't want to have it in the garage the whole summer. Okay? It needs to be finished. And the kids might be involved. And mom, too, reminding being part of that process. But the results can be so absolutely stunning. I'm trying to imagine what Brother Arpad is up to there at that church there in um, Fond du Lac. He took me up there where the old organ was, and he showed me this is more or less what it was. So he replaced most part of the foundation, put some more steel beams, more columns to support the new organ that is coming. So I'm trying to visualize what he's restoring there, what he's going to put there as the new organ. And beloved, I can't wait. I want to see that thing done. One day I woke up. For those of you who are not aware, I'm living there in his house, which is a church. And um, while there, I woke up and he was making a piece of that new organ better than the one that it came. The other one's based on air. He's an electrical engineer. He figured out a better way to get certain movements there, not based on air, but electronically stimulated. And there it goes. So he's at it. When something is restored, beloved, to its original state, it's made whole. It's made whole. It's complete. Nothing is missing. Nothing is broken. Nothing is damaged. It's all there and it's all in good shape. Today, this month, we're focusing on family. And families, especially the singles, are a single family. Well, single, the individual. They are family. So this message is not for singles exclusively. Because a lot of you are married here. So it's for everyone. And it's including the singles. How Jesus wants to make you, how he wants to make me whole. He wants to restore us. This is not only a possibility. It's highly desirable because it makes an incredible difference in your lives when Jesus comes and restores you and he restores me. He does something special. You cannot look the same again when he gets his hand, when, he puts, when he's involved doing that process in your life. Yes? Being whole profoundly influences our thoughts, our words, and our actions, especially in relating to other people. You can't be the same. This truth, like any other, will be meaningful only when we relate to it in our daily lives. It's not a one-moment thing. It's not only on one occasion that Jesus wants to be involved restoring you. He wants to do this every day. Permanently, he wants to be actively involved in just making you and making me whole because we are so prone to ruin what he is doing. 
And he's inviting us to stay focused in the work he's doing in us. So the goal today is to think deep thoughts, yet express them simply and apply them in practical ways in our journey as we walk, as we march toward the new Jerusalem. So our message today is basically divided in two parts. The first part, we're going to look at a framework of acts and uh, of facts, I'm sorry. So think for a moment where we were versus where we are. We remember the story of the Garden of Eden. Human beings were created perfect in the Garden of Eden. From the beginning, we were meant to be whole. In the first phase, Adam saw, think about it, was God's face. Can you think of any better experience in your life than when you wake up? Like your memory's been erased, you've been put to sleep, and when you wake up, the first face that you see is the face of God. Isn't that what we're longing for? I can't wait to see Jesus, my Redeemer, my Savior, that day see His face and be able to connect with Him. But that experience begins here and now. You and I do not have to wait until then. I was just reminded the last Sabbath we were here together. Where's Sister Sashi? She played Until Then, that that beautiful song. And this morning, she's like reading my mind. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. That's what we prayed for. He's here to make us whole. And yes, he, Adam, and Eve, were created for fellowship with God in a personal relationship of completeness. But the entrance of sin broke that completeness. Being separated from God has damaged us and caused us to be incomplete. All have turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Psalms 14.3 in the book of Job, in verse chapter 5 and verse 7, it says, Man is born to trouble as surely as sparks fly, up, uh, fly upward. Now, this is when the plan of salvation kicks in. Jesus becomes the healer. He's the one that makes us whole. Most of the examples recorded, especially there in the New Testament of Jesus, making people whole are physical healings that produce great change in people's lives. And we can only imagine what it was like for Bartimaeus. Remember the blind one? Jesus! Jesus, son of David! He started crying out. People were trying to keep him quiet. No way he was going to keep quiet. This is my opportunity to see again Jesus, Jesus, son of David. He was crying out to receive his sight. Or think about that woman who had spent all her money, everything he had saved on doctors to be instantly healed from her bleeding. And think about the man who lay every day by the pool of Bethesda, 38 years. Think about that. 38 years there by the pool of Bethesda, waiting for the waters to be stirred. Imagine him suddenly be able to walk, to run, to work, for a living be able to work for the first time. 
These were complete and spectacular life changes for those individuals that were involved in that encounter with Jesus. Unfortunately, I cannot promise you physical healing today. I wish I could. But the reality is that God may or may not make you whole physically on this earth. I don't know. We cannot see the end from the beginning like He does. Nor can we understand His ways. Remember the passage there in Isaiah 55? For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways. Your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours. But Jesus Christ, He does promise spiritual Wholeness for every person here today, single or married, young or old. It doesn't matter. He promises spiritual wholeness to all of us here today, right now. Can somebody say amen? And that's what we pray for. We want to be whole. I need to be whole. This is not me preaching to you. This is preaching to the choir. Yes. He wants to make me whole spiritually. Every person who asks in faith, he is both able and eager to make you whole. He, want, he can't wait. A new heart I will give you and a new spirit I will put within you. Jeremiah 36, 26. I believe that's more Ezekiel 20, 36, 25 onward. You can have spiritual wholeness in a broken body. I like that. Um, when I had this terrible accident, I'll share this with you sometime in the future. I can't wait until my small toes replaced. It was amputated. My wife signed a document that from the knee down, if needed, that portion of my foot would be amputated because the bone, the tibia and fibula were exposed to dirt as a result of this accident. So, that needed to possibly, unless they could control the infection, they were thinking of amputating that. Thank God it didn't go that way. But I can't wait for that one. But I'm more interested today in the spiritual wholeness He wants to bring to my life. Even in a broken body, Jesus can create spiritual wholeness. You can have spiritual wholeness in spite of seemingly impossible circumstances. Pure white water lilies can bloom in polluted ponds if the roots are established in good soil. Being connected to Christ always results in wholeness. Jesus received everyone who came to him in faith. He even helped those whose faith was weak. Remember that, Father? Lord, help my unbelief. I need help even to believe that you can do this. Help my unbelief. He spoke to them about the kingdom of God. Then he healed them. Matthew 14, 36 says that everyone who even touched the hem of his garment was made whole. Yes, at the touch of faith, healing power, virtue went out from Jesus. It is faith that enables us to receive that power right here today. It doesn't matter how messed up my life or your can be. Jesus is at work here today in his hospital. Everyone is a candidate, without exception, starting from here all the way down. 
were in his surgery room. We're all being worked at right now by his Holy Spirit. The applications are coming, beloved. Don't be anxious. They're coming. Yes. Think about it. It is faith that enables us to receive that power. The Samaritan leper who returned to thank Jesus for healing him heard the words, your faith has made you whole. Money cannot obtain wholeness. Intellect cannot procure it. You can never hope by your own efforts to secure it. But God offers it as a gift to everyone this very moment. It is yours if you will reach out your hand and grasp it. Tells the steps to Christ, page 49. Now let's look at the healing process. How does that occur? Being made whole includes both, number one, forgiveness, which happens instantly when we confess our sins, and two, being restored, which is a process. Others would use the word justification and sanctification. The book Steps to Christ clearly outlines the progression of experiencing wholeness in chapter 6 of Steps to Christ. Read that when you go home today. It'll be a, just a banquet. Many of you, no doubt, are already familiar with that. I like it that this church has steps to Christ out there for them to take in a very appealing cover there. First, first step, recognize your need. If you don't experience your need, you don't need a Savior, it's time to go to your knees. If you think you're okay, you're fine, that's the evidence. That's not a hint. It's crying out that I need a Savior. Yes, recognize your need. Number two, repent and confess your sins. Who says Seventh-day Adventists don't need to repent and confess? Three, acknowledge God as the only source of true healing. Four, ask in faith that God will make you whole. And five, receive his healing and wholeness into your heart Day by day, no vacation, winter, summer, spring, autumn, every day, we need that. Being made whole is not some kind of a reward for only the strongest, the smartest, no, or even the bravest. We don't have to complete elaborate or difficult feats to receive wholeness. In the pool of Bethesda, remember, only one person could be healed each time the water was stirred. How thankful we can be today that no one, no one who asks is excluded from being made whole here today. No one. Anyone who goes through these five steps can say with absolute confidence, I am made whole in Christ through his power. I pray you're praying that right now. I pray that right now you're engaged through the Holy Spirit in prayer, asking God as you're listening, your prayer, you can be multitasking. It's hard for us guys. Ladies can do this great, but we can try. Let's do it right here, right now. Yes, there is significance in the fact that several of Jesus' healing occurred during the Sabbath. 
You see, he could have healed a man with a withered hand on any other day of the week. But Jesus was making a point that the Sabbath is for healing, for restoring, for making whole. That Sabbath is one of God's favorite ways of continually restoring us to wholeness. And you find this in the Adventist Bible commentary on Luke chapter 6. It's God's favorite day to restore you and me. And these are some of the benefits. Because I know that spiritual wholeness is God's plan for my life. I can know for certain that when I trust Him, He is guiding me and protecting me every step of the way. Amen? Not only that, brethren. He gives me joy and hope for the future when I see Him face to face and enter a whole new realm of a relationship. As we grow and mature into all that God has planned, love replaces, here's the healing, love replaces bitterness. I'm not going to ask to raise your hand if you're bitter. Don't do that. But pray for the miracle. Because there's not one here who has never experienced, short or long, some bitterness. All of us need that healing. And say, Jesus, I don't produce love, but I'm an expert producing bitterness. Can you come and make that swap? Take my bitterness. Can you imagine the kind of business Jesus is? He takes my bitterness and instead offers me his love. And he doesn't just say, here, take it. He says, I will live love in you and through you. Because you can't produce that yourself. So if you would ask, through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I will live love in you and through you. How hard is that? It's not your effort. If there's any effort on your part, it's to submit and to ask, not to do. Jesus will do it in you and through you. It's not your battle. Your battle is to submit to him daily, constantly, every moment of each day. Yes, he's anxious to do that exchange. Love replaces bitterness. Joy replaces sadness. Instead of heartache, we experience peace. Instead of pride, oh my, pride, we display patience. Are you patient? I know you aren't. You ask me my patience? Oh. Uh, you can find that very quick. Beloved, Jesus is patience, amen? He wants to manifest love, peace, joy in you and through you because we don't produce that. This is the result of trusting God to meet all of your and my needs. Malachi chapter 4 and verse 2 says that Christ, the son of righteousness, Bring spiritual light and healing. And in the day of the Lord, the redeemed will leave for joy at the final outcome of God's justice and love. Like springtime calves released from their stalls, we will be just like wild with joy jumping all over the place when we ask him to do that every day. And the second final part of our meditation today it's the applications. Let's get into it. I hope you don't think that I'm preaching to you that this is not a sermon. 
This is let's just being practical about what Jesus wants to do with us. That day will be indescribable and wonderful. That day when we will be able to see him and jump all over the place. But we're not there yet. So what does being whole look like today, right now, we ask? How does it practically affect the sum of who I am? My thoughts, my words, and my actions. Well, let's start with the mind. Your mind, my mind. Well, they're not mine, they're God's. Wholeness always starts in the mind. It begins right there. It always starts with the mind. If I truly believe God is making me whole and complete, my perception is reality. My understanding becomes a reality. Not only that, it goes beyond. If I haven't accepted this, nothing else we talk about today will make any matter, any difference. Wholeness means having peace of mind because I know God is in charge of everything. Everything in this life. He's in charge of everything that is happening in my life. When you come to that conclusion that God is in charge of everything that happens to you, then you will not be worried anymore. Think about it. When you wait on God, the elders of this church, everyone have received a book, 40 days, book two, 40 days of meditations and devotion to grow in a closer spiritual walk with God. Brother Sam and I this morning, before he left Toshano, we meet on the phone at 8 o'clock and we pray for each other. And we were talking about waiting on God. That experience, I need that. I pray that some of you will become, uh, receive the, be contagious with what is happening with our elders. And that you, too, will learn that experience of waiting on God. Know that he's, he's got you covered. Everything that happens to you is not an accident. But our natural tendency is to control things, control people, control circumstances. We don't control nothing. We don't control nothing, but we think we do. And Jesus is inviting us to give them that tendency so that he can bring the peace that can only come as a result as he restores us to that saving relationship. And that makes it okay even if I don't understand it. Wholeness means I am constantly in a prayerful mindset of surrender and acceptance. As we said, being whole always starts in the mind. If you haven't already done so, please, please go through the steps of receiving wholeness today. Then review the facts as often as you need in order to keep in mind your state of wholeness before the Lord. Now, let's consider next my words, your words. Being whole means... I will train myself to say thoughtful and encouraging things to people around me. I have gone through sad moments in my life because of not using a right word at the wrong time, at the wrong place, and hurt someone. This is horrible. This is bad. 
need to train. I can't control it, but Jesus can. Amen? I need to give him. I'm not going to cut my tongue and give it to him, but give him the control so that the mind of Christ will be in you. That way, the words that are going to come out are going to be words of affirmation. When you see a brother or sister, you're not going to scan and see what's wrong with his dress or her dress or his clothing. We will be looking at the heart. We're going to be looking at what Jesus is doing to make him or her whole. And we're going to celebrate with them what Jesus is doing in them, not how they look. Beloved, we're so prone to that. Don't look at what's wrong. The spots and the clothes. Oh, they need a dry cleaning. Forget about that. Think about that they are in Jesus' hand. He's making them whole. They might need help with the dry cleaning. We'll talk about that later. But right now, celebrate, affirm them, be with them, embrace them, love them, see them through Jesus' eyes. It'll make an incredible difference when we make it that our goal as a church family. When you talk to any member here, just talk about affirming them. It's an exercise. It's not easy if you're not accustomed to it, but it begins at home. It starts at home. Mom and dad, brother and sister. Dads to the children, the children to the parents. Yes? Being whole means I will train myself to say thoughtful and encouraging things to people around me. The Apostle James says in chapter 3 of his book that taming the tongue is crucial because even though the tongue is a small part of the body, it sets the corpse of one's life in the same way a small rudder determines the path of a boat. Pure speech, uncluttered with criticism, gossip, envy, or deceit is a sure result of wholeness in Christ. And finally, being whole also influences my actions. I want to read the scriptures every day Because they are my connection with Jesus. I want to maintain a relationship by continually praying to Him. Jesus said that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul and your neighbor as yourself. Therefore, wholeness also means a deep love for people in my home, my church, my community, and around the world. Unity and inclusiveness are integral aspects of wholeness. We are all woven together in the great web of humanity. God did not create us to be lonely in separateness from one another. One of the ways God wants to bless us is by providing within the church, siblings, parents, children, a family we may not find in our own homes. So singles, singles, will be no more single. They will find a family in this family. Amen? They need to know that you and I exist to be their best friends, their best brothers and sisters in Christ, that they don't have to live alone without experiencing the appreciation, the affirmation, the encouragement that apparently others don't feel they're responsible for You and I are by God's grace. Yes, I am a keeper of my brother and my sister, single or not. 
When we are born again into Jesus' family, we sometimes find the spiritual ties to be even stronger and deeper than the link of blood relationships. However, if I fall into the trap of relying on people or places or position or possessions for my sense of identity or security, I am not whole in Jesus. True lasting joy. It only comes from God. Happiness is circumstantial. It's external. But joy only comes from the Lord. Yes, the true lasting joy in wholeness comes only through my relationship with Jesus. Your relationship with Him. He is the only one who can meet the needs of my soul and all the longing in my heart for completeness. Yes. Let's summarize what we talk about today. In order to experience wholeness, I must believe Jesus is able and eager to restore me. Can you say amen? He's knocking at the door right now. I must desire him to do so. He's not going to force himself into your heart, into your mind. I must believe Jesus is able. I must desire him to do so. I must confess my sins. Ask him for forgiveness and accept it. I must believe God is making me whole. Then I must choose to participate fully in the process of healing and restoration by number one, managing my mind and thinking, restore thoughts that Jesus is going to put right there. And two, training this tongue and saying, restore words of affirmation. Three, conforming my beliefs through doing restored deeds of inspiration to others. Remember, it's not my actions that make me whole. No, they only confirm that I am whole. When I believe I'm accepted, forgiven, and made whole in Jesus, the evidence of my wholeness will be seen in your life and in my life. I will cherish my relationship with Jesus. I will value people as God does. I will control. Well, Jesus will control this tongue. He's going to be totally in charge. I'm going to choose to die to self. And he will live his life in me and through me. I will be considerate and helpful and nurturing. Because I desire others to also experience wholeness in Christ Jesus. Right now. Some of you may be thinking, this is not where I am. Perhaps you are struggling with physical brokenness that is choking you, your desire for Christ. You may be reeling from the results of bitterness or bitter relationships and social brokenness. Who says the family of God does not need help there? That's why we have a family month. We need to be reminded that we're not exempt from the attacks of our enemy to destroy, to create walls in these relationships that God wants to make close, makes whole, and restore the families that you and I are part of. Yes, you may be suffering with mental or emotional injuries that seem like they can never be healed. You may feel that God has abandoned you or even purposely hurt you. 
Maybe you're with Jeremiah in chapter 17 where he laments, I cannot stop my crying. No peace has come. There is only terror and trouble everywhere. To you, I would only say, Jesus knows. He knows where you are and what you are experiencing. And he cares. And he cares deeply. He gave his life for you to make wholeness possible for you and for me. Yes. Jesus declares, I have brought you. I have bought you with my blood. You are mine. My grace will strengthen you. There is power in my presence in you by faith. I like to appeal to you directly. Spect appeals from not me, but from Jesus every time he gives me the opportunity to stand before you. Jesus desires you not only to touch his garment, but to walk with him in constant communion. Can somebody say amen? This is what he wants for you. Not just to touch the garment. Walk with him. Live with him. He will lead you step by step. Place your hand on his and let him guide you. Will you do that today? Will you begin the process of restoration? Would you ask him to do that in you? You need to ask. He will not force it on you. Will you ask him to do that in you? Will you reach out and touch the hem of Jesus' garment? If you do, will you be able to say with the Apostle Paul, the old has gone, the new has come. Remember our first time together, January 4th? A new you. Jesus wants to make a new you every day. He wants to do it again today. He wants to make you whole. He wants to do that in me. Yes, beloved, this is where he's calling us. He's inviting us to answer to his invitation. And if you are already being made whole in Jesus, will you commit to a higher level of of restoration? Will you pledge through the power of Jesus Christ to continually guard your thoughts, your words, and your actions so that in every aspect of your life, you will honor God by experiencing holiness in Him? Is that your desire? Is that your answer? Is that what you want to respond to God this morning? If you want to say, Lord, please, that miracle right here, right now, I ask you along with me to stand to your feet as I close my eyes and ask Jesus to work in my life and to work In your life because we're in the same boat. We're in the same need. I don't need it any less than you do. And if the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart today. And if you want Jesus' wholeness in your life. Answer him. By saying Lord. By me standing before my brothers and sisters. That's not the case. I'm standing before you. Make me whole. Make me whole just now. Would you? 
Would you answer to him? Heavenly Father, as we come to the closing of this moment together, thank you for making us whole through Jesus. Thank you for your restoring power. I'm so glad that the past history of my life of every one of my brothers, sisters here, as a community of faith, as a church. It's in the deepest part of the sea. I'm not going to go dig any of it out there, nor mine, nor theirs. You don't even do that. So what does it matter? It's where it needs to be. And now, Lord, as we are going to look at each other, as restored children of your kingdom. May we relate in those terms of your kingdom, not on our effort, but as a result of asking your sweet spirit to fully, completely take control. We don't want to live according to the flesh. We have an idea how that feels and looks like. We don't want to go there no more. We want to live by the Spirit. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Sweet Spirit, make this miracle through your baptism for Jesus to come and live his life of love, of compassion of forgiveness, of patience, of grace. Be manifested in us. We want to practice some of that right now. As soon as we're done with this prayer, and as we look around, as we go to fellowship together, may words only be pronounced for encouragement, for uplifting, for affirmation. Say to somebody, my brother, my sister, look in their eyes and tell them I love you in Christ. If you haven't done that, you're going to be like me, scared to death to do it. But just do it. Ask Jesus to manifest in you. Just pick somebody and tell them, my brother, my sister, I love you in Christ. I want to make sure that it's in Christ. It's not the human love that's contaminated with all the negative of sinful experience. It's the love of Jesus, the agape love that loves seeing for the well-being of my neighbor. And here are my neighbors. Here are your neighbors. Thank you, Father, for hearing and answering your children's prayer this day. Through Jesus we pray. Amen. Let's talk to him again, okay? Dear Jesus, this song is our prayer. Thank you for inviting us to accept your remedy of being whole. We receive it by faith through Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen.